the year was 1903. Sheffield Wednesday had just won the first division title. We won't be talking about that. We actually have to talk about last week's match. This week, on Owl's AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I've been drinking since 6 p.m. for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I am currently drinking, however, the KBS from Founders Brewing, which is the Kentucky Breakfast Stout. I can't speak for their politicians, but I do enjoy their beers. And this is a 11% bourbon-aged barrel stout with notes of uh, chocolate and coffee. And it's quite intense for a very intense week in Wednesday land and elsewhere. Also on the line this week is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hi, Jeff. How are you doing, mate? I am drinking a single malt Scotch whiskey. It's a Ockentoshan. I think that's your pronunciation, or Ockentoshan. Yeah. Like I'm not sure. Um, and it's very nice. It's my first time trying it. And it's uh, I'm about a third of the way through the bottle, because as you know, it's election night here in America, and I need to drink a lot of whiskey. You're having the uh, American oak? I am indeed, mate, yes. It's, uh, the triple wood is good, too. I've had that. Okay. I think they have, like... I've never even heard of them for today, and I thought I'll give it a try. Also on the line is James Allen. James, what are you trying? Uh, good evening, Jeff. Uh, it's a seminal night in America, uh, a decisive evening. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm drinking a beer in tribute to those who will uh, hold the fate of our futures in their hands. I'm drinking a pint of Bible Belt, uh, which is an imperial stout <laughs> aged on coffee, vanilla, chilies and cocoa nibs um, by Evil Twin Brewery in uh, combination with uh, Prairie Artisan Ales uh, from somewhere in the Midwest. So I guess this is my uh, this is my tribute to the hopes and futures of America, uh, and it's thirteen percent. So I may well be asleep before the results actually come in. And out in Ohio, mm-hmm. hot off a double over both Red Bull and Red Bull Two this week is Evan Skelter. Evan is the only person that has anything to celebrate this week. What are you drinking? Uh, interestingly enough, I don't have a drink. I'm drinkless. I spent pretty much all day up to when we started this podcast building a bar out of spare wood in my garage and just didn't have really a chance to sit down and grab anything you're building a bar so you built a bar but you don't have any booze yeah isn't that something the, the bar's not full yet that's the thing um, <laughs> and so there's there's nothing to drink Is this an extension the to the hoot suite it is yeah it's kind of in preparation i, I had a ton of extra wood laying around in the garage so it's kind of in preparation for the the big meetup this weekend awesome i want to go to yoga on that and we will get to all the meetups this weekend or more specifically friday but first there is the matter of the norwich city game we will have to talk about that since it is election night in america owls americas will head to the polls we'll vote on the hot topics surrounding the club right now and maybe elect a new coach, sporting director, owner. We'll see how it goes. We will, of course, have dispatches from American soccer as Evan drew first blood this week in the Columbus Crew Red Bulls playoff legs. There's some Wednesday news. Yes, we will be previewing that derby. And we'll do some uh, meetups in uh, Owls America's news as well. It's a jam-packed show. But we do start... With the Norwich City game. Our player of the month, Michael Hector. What a month it was. Dropped from the squad, 4-4-2 with Addy and Fletch up 
top. What was Josh thinking, James? Um, I think, Jeff, if we could get inside the head of Yossel Hukai and understand what he's thinking when he makes his team selections, then um, at the very least, we'd have um, slightly less uh, pissed off Wednesday heights at 2pm on a Saturday afternoon, right? I mean, no, but pass on that one. I'm afraid I can't give you a straight answer. I mean, look, it's been a catastrophic month, October. Uh, Our defence has been shambolic in uh, repetitive games, but the one shining light was Michael Hector, who seemed to... uh, to be at least a more composed centre-back amidst a field of uh, of crazy idiots. Um, so to drop him to the bench d- didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and I've still not heard a reasonable explanation as to why that was done. I mean, um, you know, some people who were at the Birmingham game said that maybe it wasn't his, you know, his best game in Wednesday colours, but I think there's still reasonable arguments to say that he outperformed his uh, his captain, um, who remained on the pitch and, uh, and led us in uh, a typically inglorious way. I have two theories, guys. One first theory is that he wants to be sacked. That's pretty simple. Uh, second theory is that he hates us. I mean, oh, you've got him play a month? I'll show you what I think of that. Bang, on the bench. Oh, you got the best goalkeeper in the division. Everyone loves him. Boom, third charge goalkeeper. Hutchinson, bye, bye, bye. He just hates us. Why, Joss? Why do you hate us so much? That's the, that's all I can think of. Why would you drop the player of the month? He's the best defender we've got. It's just ridiculous. I've lost my patience already. I'll have what he's having, which apparently is just scotch whiskey. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but this is a fired up Paddy tonight, isn't it? He's, this uh, weekend, he's, he's almost like a political stump uh, speech going on over on, uh, on Secaucus Avenue this evening. I can be silent no more. This weekend was the final straw for me, and I've got a, a page of just capital letters notes in front of me. Go on then, Paddy. Let's hear them. Let's hear your talking points. Well, first of all, right, the defence. So... The signs were there from the first half that was going to happen in the second half. I just feel like they're not organised at all. He's supposed to be disciplinarian, right? We talked about this last, last time I was on the podcast. Yet, no one seems to know their role. You've got two fullbacks who are never in the fullback position. And when they are, I kind of wish they weren't. Uh, you've got two centre-halves that are changing every single week, so there's no one organising that defence whatsoever. If that was the... Bare minimum we wanted from Yoss, it was organisation and discipline. Where's that gone? Um, yeah, I, look, I, I, I would love to be able to kind of give you a stern rebuttal and say, actually, you know, we're playing a different style, which means we're compromising our defensive solidity in uh, in exchange for some expansive attacking football. But it's really hard to make that argument, right? I mean, what I will say in defence of Yoss after that selection is, despite all of the negativity that surfaced after the game for obvious reasons, the first half wasn't actually all that bad. You know, we, we actually played some pretty good football in the first 45 minutes. And you know, I don't think Norwich looked like a particularly sensational team. Certainly don't look like a championship topping team as they now are. Um, but, you know, we, we after a fairly kind of soft start, and we'll talk about that in a second, we, I thought, you know, we're the better side in, in, in at least the, the opening exchanges. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're being a little bit harsh on the selection in the way that it, it performed initially. It, it was the way we capitulated second half that we really need to be concerned about. That's a story every week though, isn't it? I feel like even the weeks we choose not to talk about the team, it's, we're a little, it's a cagey first half or Wednesday is a little feisty and maybe, Miss an opportunity. Obviously, the Leon Palmer missed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Josh Anoma had a couple of good chances in the first half of this game. And it's just it never in the second half, either 
the team just runs out of gas or the opponents make adjustments and then they're off to the races and we're talking about a 4-0 game against a team we beat 5-1 the last game of the season last year. Anoma right. was really frustrating, I thought, on Saturday. He's He's got so much potential. Um, and When we first saw him play in the first few games, he looked like the player we needed. Someone to break up that play, rush forward with the ball, slightly different to what else we've got in midfield, uh, and then maybe either take a shot or pass it on to somebody in the final third. What we're starting to see over the last few games is he doesn't really know what to do once he gets in that final third. His quality isn't good enough yet. And either we've shot his confidence to pieces in the first three months of his being, uh, being at Wednesday, or he's just not that good. Because on Saturday, it was his worst performance for us. Those two shots that were like eight yards out were horrendous. I mean, Liam Palmer last week it was almost closer to the uh, goal than Anoma was on those two appearances. It was it was really poor. And he just gave the ball away too much. He looks hesitant on the ball. He's not sure who to pass to, where to pass to it. It looks a bit like Pelopesi did in the first few games we had uh, Joey on the, on the pitch. Just like he didn't know what to do, where to turn. I think it's a confidence thing, hopefully. But even so, it's just it's not very good for us right now. I wrote a, uh, I wrote a joke about this, actually. Um, I hope you guys like it. It goes like this. Um, yeah, it's funny because I watched this game with my mom, and after both of the shots, I could angrily mumble his name and say what I was thinking to my mom simultaneously. Oh, no, Ma. <laughs> I like that. I always like uh, someone that comes prepared. Evan, have you uh, have you basically brought us to the uh, the kind of the old dad Christmas cracker level of uh, of Wednesday uh, positivity? Yeah, the the only upside we can find now is in uh, absolutely appalling old man jokes. But but bravo, well done. That's the only that's the only one I have for today, folks. Wow. Uh, thank goodness, thank goodness. Um, Paddy, I've got to pick up on what you said. Like, uh, did did you just suggest that maybe Wednesday have taken a previously capable and successful player and managed to shoot their confidence within three months? <laughs> it's yeah, unheard that, of, that, isn't it? I mean, that, I never thought that, that, that sounds exactly what like what happens to any um, successful footballer who walks down the halls of Hillsborough, right? I mean, he, he, I've got to agree with you. I mean, like you know, this guy who. Had you know, he was full of running and full of um, and vigor and uh, and kind of you know composure and class on the ball a couple of months ago looked like a ghost in the first half. Um, he was off the pace. He, you know his passes were going astray. I mean him and Liam Palmer kept on kind of pinging the ball off the advertising boards and uh, not to each other. I might add, um, you know, and, and then the shooting was just absolutely dreadful. So yeah, I mean he definitely looks like a player low on confidence. But we we seem to have a really really fine line in in doing that to players. Um, and th- this is where actually the bigger question, I guess, you know, kicks in about Yoss, right? Because it's okay for me to say, well, the first half wasn't so bad. So even though it was a weird team selection, you know, maybe maybe you got the setup right, and then the team just kind of blew it in the second half. If we do that week in week out, if this team can't hold a formation, can't keep its composure, if players can't play with confidence, then there's something fundamentally wrong with the manager. There's something fundamentally wrong with the club. I mean, that you know, th- these these are the conclusions you have to draw when this happens repeatedly, whether it be this season or previous. Do you think they've got like a carbon monoxide alarm in Hillsborough? Maybe it's slowly poisoning all the players that come through the doors. Well, I've, I've said this before, right? That my dad's always said there's like a hoodoo over Hillsborough. You know, it's, it's like something in the water that just kind of just basically ruins people. Um, but I think it, I think he's actually onto something. I was talking to him about it after the game on Saturday, and it's um, you know it's, it's almost scientifically proven now that if, if anyone who was previously anyway half decent comes to Hillsborough, they end up either injured, uh, useless, or or sacked. So, um, you know, 
Bravo, uh, anybody who tries their looks at S6, right? We <laughs> ruins many good person. Well, and all of us as well, those of us who choose to follow this litany of errors and, uh, and chaos of, uh, of capitulation. That's quite, I'm, I'm constantly getting injured all the time too, so that's just being a Wednesday fan. So imagine what it's like being a player, the amount of injuries you pick up. Try to reel it back to the game. Wednesday had a couple opportunities in the first half. I guess that's what we're calling 40-yard uh, pile drivers from Bannon and Penny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, those are always chances when those guys are shooting from deep. Uh but what what is kind of unfortunate is that those were our best chances. We're from forty yards out, so yeah, we stayed in the game. But uh, I don't think we generated a ton. Of, yeah, Onoma sent a couple over the bar, but uh, yeah, it just didn't feel like while while we were keeping up with them, it didn't feel like we were at all threatening to get ahead. I mean, yes, it was a game they lost four zero. There were very few chances to get ahead, but. You know, again, you can sort of sell yourself on a decent first half where they might have been up, but once again, the defense just falling apart in the second half, Patty. Yeah, just sloppy, isn't it? It's just it was sloppy. It's 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 we've seen it every single game pretty much this season. There's no structure, there's no one organizing it. It's every man for himself. And it's just a disaster. Uh the fullbacks, I could earlier on, they just gone AWOL. They don't seem to be anywhere near where they should be. And they seem to be playing quite narrow, I thought, in that second half too. So quite often Norwich are coming down the wings and you look there where you expect to see Liam Palmer, you might see Adam Reach. And you look where to see where Palmer is and he's, he's like almost like next to Tom Lees. He's sitting so close to him. You're like, why are you over there? Get over and close the ball down. And it's Penny was doing something similar, but you can't really single them out because every single man in that defence has zero positional awareness of where he should be stood. It's it's like they're learning the game from scratch again. And the first two goals they conceded were a matter of poor positioning, a little bit of poor luck, I suppose, in the first goal, the way it ricocheted around. But still, the first people to react to the ball are always the opposition. It's never us. I think you can single Penny out. Maybe not positionally, but he uh, he is the worst at ball watching. That's all he does. As soon as the first shot is taken or as soon as someone gets by uh, that, that isn't next to him, he just kind of stops and watches. He did it for the first goal. He did it for maybe not the second goal, but later on, I don't, I don't think they scored off it, but there were a couple more instances where he literally, like you could, you watch the replay and the highlights and he just is standing there watching a guy run toward the goal. Um, and, and I know he's young. I, I get that he's, He's young, but it, it just at this point you have to realize that you can't do that. Yeah, but you got you can't single out Matt Penny because this is a defensive unit issue, right? And that defensive unit is led by the captain of the team, who is the worst exemplar of ball watching. Um, you know, for the goal that where um, where Dawson you know fluffs his lines, kicks it straight out, and uh, and, and Norwich play back in. Uh, you know, it's Tom Lees who stops his run, stops chasing the player. Um, it you know, gives it up as forlorn, and and that's emblemic of the way this this squad behaves, right? You know, they they concede a goal, and they pretty much all their heads drop. You know, they concede two goals, and they they basically pack up and go home. I mean, it, it was kind of going through the motions for thirty minutes on Saturday, in which we could have conceded seven eight goals if Dawson hadn't actually prevented them. And it's it's atrocious. You know, at this level, it's not acceptable that players are playing the way they are. I don't you know I don't care if they're low on confidence. I don't really care if they you know they feel that they're being hard done to in in the course of the season. 
these are professional footballers and they're not putting their all in for 90 minutes for Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. And the reason why I'm saying that, Evan, is, is not to defend necessarily one player out of all of them. I just think for a, a young player like Mike Penny to be in this situation with this set of professionals around him who simply aren't doing their job is, you know, what sort of example is that to set for him? Can I talk about Lees and uh, and the penalty in the first half? I'm sorry going back to the penalty, but uh, we didn't really cover it. But um, I just thought it was hilarious because, first of all, it wasn't a penalty. Just get out of there straight away. But the only reason it was a penalty is because Lees is so slow at clearing the ball that as he's clearing the ball, he's oh, I'm just going to clear the ball right now. And he's like his, his foot slowly swinging backwards. And in that time, someone who's attacker, the Norwich attacker, just walks in front of it, and instead of kicking the ball, he kicks to the Norwich player instead. That's how slow he is. And that was a penalty, apparently. It's, it's a ridiculous penalty shot. But that just shows how slow our captain is. Uh, it wasn't his fault with the penalty, but for many other reasons during the match, that's just an example of how poor he is at times. I don't even know. I think you're right, but I don't think it's necessarily that he's slow. He may be slower than the rest, but I don't think it's that. I think it's a lack of effort. I just think that... Overall, there's a lack of drive in the back, especially that might stem from the guy, the manager sitting on the the bench or on his seat the whole match. But, you know, Lee's. Yeah, you're right. He was slow to the ball. He was he was so passive. He his weight was completely back. His shoulders were behind his behind his waist. And instead of trying to run through it, he just kind of poked his toe at it. And I know that's not how you're taught. I know he knows better than that. But. You know, there's just some. I think it exemplifies the the lack of effort and the lack of trying in, in this whole unit. And I know we'll get to it later. And I know I just said it, but it doesn't help that we just have a guy staring into space on the sideline. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on too much, and I don't want to get into the debate of uh, someone on the sidelines waving his arms around. But I mean, the fact that we got no reaction from him tactically, never mind physically on the on the pitch, was more frustrating to me. I mean, we go two goals down, nothing. No changes, no nothing. We go three goals down in 10, 11 minutes, nothing. Eight minutes later, he makes a substitution. 70th minute took for the first substitution and brings on Joao for New You. Right? We're already three goals down by that point. We go four goals down, and then he makes a defensive substitution, bringing on Thornley for Pudel. What the fuck is he doing? I think that horse has bolted, mate. 4 0 down. What are we making defensive substitutions for? It's ridiculous. We've got so many problems, haven't we? I mean, like, you know, I, can you imagine if this conversation was just about maybe the, uh, you know, the technical way in which our back four, back five lines up and, and you know, a couple of the positioning errors that lead to, to teams being able to find us out under pressure? Instead, this conversation is about how we're basically, you know, our players aren't playing, our defenders can't they wouldn't even know positioning if it smacked them in the face after 45 minutes uh, our manager doesn't move the atmosphere in the stadium's atrocious the uh, the players are low on confidence i mean you know we've been talking like this for 12 months right and you, let's call it what it is this, this is a club that has lost its way completely in terms of its footballing identity in terms of its its future um sense of direction and so we need to think about that when we talk about the manager and the players. You know, this isn't just a, 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 a solvable issue with a quick change. This is a fundamental issue in terms of the way the club is moving. We got a great scene in the post-match at Hillsborough. Uh, confrontation between Wednesday fans and Delphine Chanziri. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, Jeff. I mean, it, it, it all kind of blurs into one, doesn't it? The memory of uh, of Saturday afternoon. I, I, it was a, a rare occasion where I kind of watched the game on my own. Um, the family were out doing something else, so you know, I settled down. I thought this is going to be nice. You know, Wednesday maybe staging a, a an unlikely recovery against Norwich. The first half went by quite well, and it ended with uh, watching Twitter videos of the chairman having a slangy match with a guy about whether or not he was going to sack the manager um, outside the South Stand. Yeah, I mean. Look, I mean, let's look on the bright side. No shoes were thrown. That isn't the way we do things at Hillsborough. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, are, we are quite good at keeping our footwear where they belong, which is on our feet, um, because we have brains. Or at least some of our fans have brains. Um, but it's a pretty unedifying spectacle, isn't it? And, yeah, I mean, look, we, we can broaden this discussion and keep on broadening it. You know, do, do you value what the chairman has done? What, you know, where he's taken us from to? Do, do you despair at where we've got to so quickly after where we could have been in terms of the promotion to the Premier League, you know, but but however you look at it, fans yelling at chairman and chairman yelling back at fans and security having to intervene, it, it doesn't look like a club in very good harmony right now. Um, and it it makes a really difficult proposition for how we talk about, you know, how we feel about being Wednesdayites. So, yeah, that, that wasn't a nice thing to see at the end of uh, at the end of Saturday. But, you know, we've all been there before. I remember when we lost... Gosh, in the relegation season, I think we lost to Derby at home in like September, and you know, fans camped out under the South Stand shouting "sack the board." We're not, we're not so far away from that. So where do we go from here? Well, we go to the Derby, which is probably not the best timing in the world. But before that, we go to our Owls Americas midterms. The midterms over here in the U.S. are going to be very topical. We have some uh, some ballot items, some referenda, if you will. And we start with who should be our number one goalkeeper? A. Kieran Westwood. B. Cameron Dawson. C. Joe Wildsmith. So I think we can frame this too with the uh, the chance towards the end of the match, which is, there's only one Kieran Westwood, which I think created a bit of a stir sort of within the Wednesday community about you know supporting young players or supporting the you know the players on the pitch and whatnot i don't know if i read it as that or more as an indictment of sort of the the management structure that has made a series of decisions but who should be our number one goalkeeper patty i think it has to be kieran westwood um i think now that dawson's got it it's difficult to retract that because you're only gonna shoot this guy's confidence even further into the floor um, but my vote goes to Kieran Westwood every single day um, I don't get the excuse from Yoss that he hasn't seen him play why not because he got his eyes closed in training or something like that um, just give him a chance put him back in the squad uh, the worst he can do is organise our defence a little better than it is at the moment I don't think Cameron Dawson is necessary to blame for a lot of the goals this year. I think that's mainly under the defence in front of him, but I still think that Westwood's a better goalkeeper than him. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a thing, even with intense squad rotation, once that number one shirt is decided, short of a series of gaffes, I don't think managers, really any managers, Yas or otherwise, are inclined to to switch that shirt. I don't know if you can really lay that on Dawson, but they have been bleeding goals. What do you think, James? This is like the trickiest call right now because on balance, I I really understand why Cameron Dawson is the starting goalkeeper. I think, you know, I, I greatly appreciate 
what Yoss is trying to do in terms of setting the stage for the future of this club. And I think if we could, if we could all breathe and take a step back from the pain that is being a Wednesday out right now, we we might thank him for the fact that we're going to have a, a better squad in 12, maybe 24 months time as a result of that. And Cameron Dawson could well be a part of that. Um, right now it feels hopeless because we have a better goalkeeper in the squad and that better goalkeeper is Kieran Westwood and we don't know why he's not playing. We don't know why um, you know, why there is something behind the scenes that either stops him playing or whether um, the decision has been made and, and you know that's the end of his career at Hillsborough. But for as long as the fans have an emotional attachment to him and the club can't clarify why he's not playing and we know his capability and the team continues to ship goals the way it does, it's inexplicable why we wouldn't bring him back at this point in the season. I mean, it's the best signal we could give going into the game on Friday night would be to to have a shored up defence with one of the Championship's best goalkeepers um, in the back line. Apparently he's got a knee injury, so that probably won't happen, but... Yeah, I mean, if, if you're asking me to call it, that's what I said in the summer. I said that Kieran Westwood should do another season, regardless of whether his, his contract was up at the end of it or not. And I still stand by that. But I do understand why Dawson has the shirt. And I don't think he's in any way solely to blame for, for our current problems. I think that's a, a squad-wide systemic issue, as I was saying. Are we putting that uh, knee injury in what you would call inverted commas? <laughs> hey, I've got ACL reconstruction on my knee. Thank you very much. I'm talking about oh your knee. I was talking about Kieran Westwood's knee. Oh, James <laughs> referencing my knee. My injuries. I, I know you, you've you've now been subject to the uh, the Hillsborough hoodoo, uh, Paddy, but I didn't realise that you were also ginger and six foot five. <laughs> but you said Paddy's injuries. Sorry, <laughs> I've got Trump syndrome. Everything's about me. Uh, Evan, what's your take? I say Joe Wildsmith needs a chance. Um, I think he played well at the end of last. Candidate. Yeah, I think he played well at the end of last season, and and Dawson hasn't really gotten it done for us this year i mean he, he's been good but uh something needs to change back there um westwood may as well be done for good uh, it's kind of a strange situation but what's it been like a calendar year since he's even seen the field for us so uh my vote's joe i think jeff i've been pretty vociferous on the pod about putting westwood back in there but i think now you have to readjust expectations for the season and Westwood's not going to be here for 2019-2020 I think that's fait accompli so you have to start developing the next generation if you've made the decision that it's it's Cameron Dawson I think pulling him now could ruin his confidence and you know it's probably just worth it to keep on keeping on and there are issues elsewhere that need to be solved regardless I think it's a fair point I, I, I do think that Westwood is better than Dawson yeah, right now. That's probably uh, true. But, but I, I think you, you, you're right in the fact that we have to kind of stick with this because we're not going to gain, we're not going to go up if we put Westwood in the goal right now. Um, but we are going to ruin a young kid, young Wednesday. I was about this. Is he a Wednesday fan? Um, we ain't going to ruin a young kid's confidence for a while if we drop him now. Of course, a new manager might have a different take on it. That's our next question. Who would you like to manage Sheffield Wednesday for the rest of the season? A, Big Sam. B, Mick McCarthy. C, Steve Bruce. D, Yas Lukai. E, your right-in candidate of choice. We'll go back around with Evan. I think if we're going to make a change, we should do it now. Uh, right now, it's two months for a manager to get a feel for the squad and what he needs. Then, assuming we can do anything during the window, we give him a full January to sort things out. 
To be honest, I, I don't care who it is, just someone with passion that doesn't sit around emotionless when we're sliding from, what was it, sixth on the table to four points out of the relegation zone. So Steve Bruce it um, is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'll take, I'll take Bruce for the sake of answering the question, but any one of the option that isn't Yoss is, is fine with me. Patty. Uh, I'm going to put a big black... Is it a cross? I've never voted in America. Is it a big black cross or a check you put next to the box when you vote? I don't know. The one I had to fill in a we little just bubble. Fill ours. Yeah, yeah, we just fill ours in. All right, I'm going to fill in the box next to Big Sam because I think oh, he... Big Sam. <laughs> I think he... Spending too much time on the New York Owls WhatsApp group. <laughs> I think he's good. I think he'll be good for us. Is he going to um, take a championship job? Um, it depends if uh, Yakanovic gets sacked, I suppose, before um, we end up um, sacking Gais Lukai. I think he'd be for that. On. Job. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, if uh, Yakanovic does get sacked, I'd rather have him in uh, the Wednesday than uh, Yost at the moment. So uh, I'm going to put my filling in box next to Big Sam and I'm going to send that off. Big Sam for uh, President 2020. James? Um, I think Paddy's stolen my thunder. I'm uh, I'm going to put a big hanging chad next to uh, Slavisky. Very topical. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I, this is a bizarre conversation, right? I mean, you, uh, I, I feel like I want to channel my inner Mick McArthur and say that uh, it's not appropriate to talk about coveting a person's job when they're still in it. I mean, you know, Yoss is still the manager. We should we should back him until the moment he's not. Um, and. His task on Friday is to do what he did when he came into the job and somehow rectify a leaky Wednesday and turn it into a, uh, a fortress at Bremel Lane. I mean, get a zero zero draw like, down a man, which could certainly yeah, happen. God knows like, the down a man like, part. Like, what the draw doesn't often strike twice, but let's wait and see. But look, you know, if it comes to pass that he doesn't survive this period and it's pretty intense, and I think that that's probably a more likely than not scenario right now. Although, you know, we could talk about whether Wednesday can actually afford to jet aside. Jetson lost Yukai at the moment, which I think is is actually a meaningful point. Um, if Yukanovich is available and and he's lost his job at Fulham, I mean he's he's got a great track record of putting together um, some really attractive footballing sides in the Championship. Although you might say counterpoint, he hasn't done a very good job of turning that into an effective Premier League side. So you know everything has its shelf life. Um, of the options that you've presented to me, I don't see the attraction in any of the kind of the big lumpet British British managers. Um, they might provide a short term fillet for the club, but I don't think they're going to take the club forward. And I would like to see a manager who has a real, you know, intimate understanding of how to build a footballing infrastructure. And I think a, a younger, more progressive manager is what's needed. James, that's just a cop out. That's like someone. That's like someone spoiling their ballot on a voting paper. You can't just say I'm not voting for any of these people because. Oh, all right, all right. I'll tell you who I'm voting for, Paddy. I want Eddie Howe. I want Eddie Howe from Bournemouth. Sign it on. Let's get it done. Thank you. He's eligible. He's, he's for the job. Ah. Bugger it. I've uh, I've got a deep checkbook. It's uh, it's signed with Tuna Books, and I want uh, I want to tempt him tempt him away from the south coast. You're right. the guy that writes Mickey Mouse in your ballot. You you spoil everything. <laughs> if you need a nil nil draw, I'm a permanent resident, but I don't have my citizenship yet, so I pay my taxes, but I cannot influence the democratic process. Either. If you need a nil nil draw, there's only one man to call. It's got to be Stuart Gray. Is that your is that your answer? No, or Stuart Gray. My answer is Stuart Gray. <laughs> My other my other good joke answer was Wednesday's been terrible in the second half. I do know an available manager that would put some uh, meat on the barbecue in the second half. <laughs> you need we, Wednesday we to be a second half team. I was going to put him in as the as the uh, candidate number five, but um, I didn't want to stir the pot too much. 
I've always wanted, even going back to a couple of years ago, Kike Sanchez Flores, but Espanol is actually playing well this year, so I think he's still there. Do you know his agent? Can we call him yes. up? <laughs> I do not know his agent. <laughs> Third, did, you, um, uh, did you see that, ironically, Carlos is now uh, one of the favorites to take the Fulham job if Yukanovich does get the job? <laughs> He did say on the Football Ramble podcast that he feels like he has unfinished business in the uh, Premier League. Uh, uh, well, he apparently has unfinished business in several places, including Sheffield. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a different matter. Let's move on. That's uh, so his business card. Carl's Carmel. Unfinished business across the globe. Third on the ballot. <laughs> Who would you sell in January to get rid of that pesky FFP balance? A, Adam Reach. B, Barry Bannon. C, Fernando Forestieri. James Allen. Um, I've got to be honest. Uh, the person would be Adam Reach. Interesting, uh, because because I think he'd fetch the highest price. I, I always think uh, Adam Reach has the greatest potential of the three of those to uh, to bring us as much money as we possibly can to solve our FFP hole. Um, I would be devastated to see him leave, but I'd be kind of devastated to see any of them leave. Um, I think in reality, Bannon, we'd probably end up selling to someone like a Villa, and they haven't got a huge capacity for spending right now. Um. I don't know that we get a lot for Forestieri. I mean, he's you know he's been injured, been out for a long time. He came back, he did a bit, but he didn't do a lot. He's got injured again. You know, I don't see him selling for 10, 15 million quid right now. Um, Adam Reach has got, you know, he's got the panache, he's got the pedigree, and I think he could do a job at a higher level. I think of of our saleable assets, I think he is the most saleable, and therefore, if I'm absolutely mercenary about it, I think we would get the most money into the club. You know, for a team that needs a little bit more up top in the bottom tier of the Premier League, a Huddersfield or a Cardiff or someone like that, or even maybe further up the chain. Well, Wolves were interested, weren't they? They they were yeah. apparently the ones that came in from. Yeah, he'd be a good fit there from. too. He's a good fit in pretty much any shirt, to be sure. fair. So, Patty, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, see, James has put a really good point forward there because what. I'm going to vote for Fernando Forestieri. Uh, and it's not because I think he'll fetch the most money out of those three. It's the one that I think is expendable. Um, and let me explain that because everyone seems to hang their entire hopes on Forestieri. Um, he's been in and out of the squad now for the good part of a year. Um, the end of last year, we did okay without him. Being of this year, not doing so okay without him. But I think he's the type of player that... Um, Blows hot and cold. Um, I think he. I still haven't quite forgiven him for last year's contract dispute. And if we can get eight to ten million for him, I know he's reach. I know it's reaching a little bit, but I think he would be the one of the three that I'd sell. Evan. A, B, and C. Ooh, it's, a little tear down. It's time to hit the reset button and get <laughs> as far ahead of any restrictions as possible. Uh, and just fully rebuild. I think for a singular answer, Fessy would deal the the least painful blow, like Patty said. Uh, I know no one really wanted to see him gone at the end of last year, but now I don't think too many people would, would care. Do you know what, Evan? I think that's the most sensible answer of the night so far. Um, let, let's get sh- shut of almost everybody, right? Let's let's clear the decks and start again. I mean, that's that's kind of almost the feeling that we, we might have to, to move toward. If someone comes in, right, if a new manager comes in and he immediately sells Adam Reed, Barry Bannon, and Flander Forestieri, he's going to have quite an uphill battle to win the fans back. Yeah, but he'll also have a few million quid in the bank to buy some players. 
True. And I'm not and saying that's a set, wrong decision. He I would think... set quite a tone. <laughs> it it, it would signal a high degree of change and a different regime and a different way of doing things at Wednesday. And, and I think we, we need that sort of jolt, right? I mean, it's like we, we basically need a defibrillator applying to our rotting corpse at the moment. So um, why not? I mean, it would be awful. Um, and whoever's going to do that needs to have massive bollocks. So that's what comes back to my first, second vote, which is Big Sam. <laughs> do you, do you, do you, what do you know about Big Sam's bollocks? Are you sure that they're massive? Everything's big about Sam. He's got Big Sam. Mm. Just because it says big, big as a prefix, it doesn't mean that he's actually got large kahunas. Big head, big bollocks, big belly. I mean, the big only, for, as far as I know, the only manager's bollocks that have been put on display is Louis Van Al. And if we can get him in, great. <laughs> is he on the ballot paper, Jeff? Is he even managing here right now? There was a write-in spot. Let's see where Louis Van Gaal is. I will fire up the Wikipedia. Right. What's the next race? Uh, we've uh, we've dealt with the sensitive topic. So we do of, have uh, uh, one more. Louis Van Gaal is available. So get him in. The final vote, and perhaps the most important one, after the kerfluffle after the Norwich game, should Chensiri sell the club? I feel like we can probably vote unanimously here. Well, you say that. I mean, it, I mean, it's very. First of all, there's very few. Yes, this is more of those kind of local government questions you get. Like, should the should we fund schools five hundred million dollars of our at the end of the ballot? Um, it's either it's either yes or no question, right? Um, so for me, no, obviously not. You should not sell the club. Um, I don't think he will sell the club, which is another kind of question too. Um, we need him. I don't think he's necessarily a bad person. Uh, yes, you shouldn't be arguing with fans outside the stadium after games, but kind of, I don't know about you kind guys. Of makes him one of us. <laughs> yeah, he kind of uh, grew up a little bit. He kind of like got a bit of swagger about him. I kind of like that. I want him to be feisty. What are you gonna? If someone's mouthing off at you behind uh, the stadium, you're just gonna sit there and take it. No, he's got a bit of a kind of swagger about him, Chancery, and and I kind of like that. And I think he wants to take the club places. I think he's got the funds to do it. He's just learning as he goes, which is naive. But, I mean, it's better the devil you know, I suppose, isn't it, this way? There's always a Dave Allen lurking in the weeds. That's a horrible image, Jeff. Hmm. Please, please move on from that. We will. We'll um, take a break, briefly. in fact. I think we all need one. <laughs> well, let's just say one thing before you okay. do that. So, like, the... It's great having binary choices, right? I mean, you know, the world is based on binary choices today. You're either in, you're out, you're for, you're against, and uh, and that's the way elections work, and uh, and we're all the poorer for it. Should Chancery sell the club is not a binary choice. So, right now, of course, he shouldn't sell the club. Um, why, why, why would he want to, and why should Wednesday want him to? I mean, he's done some uh, remarkable things in terms of what he's invested. If a better owner came along who made him an attractive offer and wanted to take Wednesday to a different level, then I think we'd all switch very quickly and he probably would as well, right? I mean, it's all circumstantial in this instance. And, and right now, Wednesday would be in a, a drastically dangerous place if we didn't have uh, Dayfon Chancery because he literally funds our expenditure. Um, and I'm not talking about our expenditure on players. I'm talking about our ability to service our debts, our ability to pay our players, our ability to keep the, the club going as an operational concern. Um, but if somebody else came along who was willing to do that and had a different vision for how Wednesday would be run and operated, then we should hear that out. Um, but I don't hear many people making that offer publicly just now. So uh, to Paddy's point, better the devil you know. 
Now we can go to a break, Jeff. All right. I've you're just, it's just, I'm, I'm really agitated to talk about uh, Preslav Borokov, and we will do that in the Wednesday news segment after a short break. I just want to be clear that Patty grossly misled me with this agenda. From reading it, I thought that there was going to be Preslav Borokov news. But in fact, we were talking about what Patty is calling the new Preslav Borokov, Iyad Hamoud, who scored a hat trick for the under 18s this week, Patty. The king is dead. Long live the king, the Bulgarian king, Jeff. So no more Preslav Borokov, the shining Bulgarian star. Because yeah, there's a new upstart, an under 18 guy called Iyad Hamoud. Scored a hat trick against um, Burnley um, on Saturday lunchtime before the Norwich game. We're one for one, and the under eighteen side is actually looking pretty freaking good. If you haven't, have they lost yet this year. They have lost, yeah. They I think have lost, lost about two three weeks ago, but oh, they're yeah, still top right. of the league, I believe. Um, they've got uh, the Hamoud guy, obviously we spoke about, and the Isaac Rice guy as well. Is um, he actually got the? Everyone wondered who he was when he t- uh, turned up on the um, full teams bench a few weeks ago too. He's actually also been um, announced as the uh, League 11, I think it's called, um, for the under-18s. He's the captain. Um, so, again, national kind of recognition for uh, Isaac Rice uh, and another Bulgarian star in the making, in Ayad Hamoud. So, Bulgaria should be thanking us, really, shouldn't they? They've done a great <laughs> team quite the, We years. need to scout more in Bulgaria, apparently. Yeah. Like a Bulgarian yeah. pipeline. Also in... Important news after all of us have agitated on the pod for it four weeks. Matt Penny has signed a contract extension through the summer of 2020 with Wednesday. Only a year extension, but it beats the alternative. Yeah, it's fine. He shows flashes of brilliance. I think he he'll, he will be a good player. Um, he sure. just has a lot to learn. Needs a, a better leader or a couple better leaders. Uh, I'm, I'm not bothered by by extending him. I just hope that. Well, I mean, he I, literally I guess like yeah. debuted in the squad this year, <laughs> right? And he's young. How how old is he? Twenty, is he I think. Twenty yet? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's an so it's an important move. A... It gets him a little more. I'm sure Wednesday probably wanted a longer contract, and he wanted to see if his head got turned in the summer. And this is a good middle ground, and we'll see how he develops over the next year. I think that Matt Payne's going to be the future left back shifter Wednesday. Um, so whatever we criticize uh, about his play uh, on any of these podcasts, I'm sure we all agree that we kind of want him to succeed, right? Well, we do want him to succeed. He's he's come through the ranks since he was like eight years old, I think, something like that. He's been around for a long time in the Wednesday youth system. And what he's been seeing has been fantastic. Just because he fucks up every now and again doesn't mean we don't love you, Matt. We, we do want you to succeed. We're just going to treat you... Uh, the same as we treat any of the players uh, on the Wednesday team. We'll give you some criticism every now and again, but we'll also praise you when you do well. I think this is a great sign for us if we're signing these players up uh, on uh, contracts, no matter how small they are. Um, it just shows we've got a bit of ambition to keep hold of our prize assets. And again, if it does, it's like with the Bannon and Jow extensions. It does come down to selling him. It creates a little more value for them on the back end when that time comes. After all the talk about the goalkeeper controversy, 
at Wednesday. Our old goalkeeping coach, Andy Rhodes, has been sacked at Oldham and is now on the market. I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask Evan this. It's probably unfair to Evan. Evan, do you know who our current goalkeeping coach is? Because I had forgotten until I was reminded of it today. Uh, no. James? It's Nikki Weaver. It is Nikki Weaver. I had forgotten. Uh, I, d- I did know that. I, yeah, Nikki it's one of those things, you know, like I had forgotten. Like the Nikki Weaver tenure at Hillsborough, I feel. The second one, at least, I remember being fairly forgettable, so... Yeah, he's, but he's a Wednesday, right? And he is, he's, uh, he's, very, so. he's a very tall chap and a and yeah, distinguished yeah. keeper, right? And he, yeah. um, what I will say is he's been very impressively, I think, out in defence of Cameron Dawson this week after the, uh, you know, after the events of the weekend and, and some of the chanting that, you know, in trying to make a point to Yoss about Kieran Wasswood, obviously inadvertently you know, caught Cameron up in, uh, in all of that. I, I thought it was really admirable to see one of our experienced coaches and someone who's been through the ringer at Hillsborough out there defending his, uh, his charges. So, um, you know, I, look, Andy Rhodes is a, I think a really accomplished goalkeeping coach and given the defensive situation at Wednesday, I think we need all the help we can get. So by all means, let's get him back in. But, you know, I, I think Nicky Weaver's got a lot to offer our young goalkeepers in, in exactly the same way. And he's a, He's an exemplar of the type of person we should have inside Hillsborough, which is someone who loves the club, someone who's played for the club, and someone who's got a lot to offer uh, from a coaching setup standpoint. So, uh, so we need we need more Nicky Weavers, more Andy Roses. And a final bit of Wednesday news. I'll turn it over to Patty. A new Twitter handle is promoting charity donations called at Owl Support You. What is this, Patty? It's a thing that popped up yesterday, actually. So it's pretty new. So um, as far as I'm aware. Um, they're trying to get uh, Wednesday fans to record videos um, and make donations to charity. So what they want to do is to rec- uh, for fans to record videos saying who they're going to support uh, in this um, in their charity choice, upload that to social media, and use the hashtag #OwlSupportYou. That's O W L support you. Uh, make your donation and then spread the word. So it's just a really good um, social kind of viral campaign that wants them to get started. Uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, for the Steel City Derby, um, and then I'll make a uh, donation to the Sheffield Children's Hospital too. It's going to be a donation per Jaeger shot we do during the Sheffield Derby. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not tying it to any kind of performance metrics <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and now, it is time for dispatches from American Soccer. Evan Skelter. Well, it's been a big week for the teams that I support here, um, Louisville City has made it to the USL championship for the second year in a row. They defeated New York Red Bull 2, the Baby Bulls, as our New York gals like to call them. Uh, they beat them 5-1, and it's actually awesome to, for me because FC Cincinnati was defeated by Red Bull 2 the week before, so the round before. And, and if you listen to the podcast, you know how much disdain I have for FC Cincinnati, who are off to MLS next year. And speaking of MLS, the Columbus crew, who we mentioned last week, are likely staying in Columbus now, are actually that they are up 1-0 on aggregate over the, well, if they're the baby bulls, what do we call them? The parent bulls, the older bulls, the the elder bulls. Knackered bulls of Sunday. Yeah, okay, okay. You say the knackered bulls? Yeah, is that not a thing in America? Not, knackered's not a thing in America, is it? I keep forgetting that. Well, is that is that like an excuse? Like they were tired when they played? Does it mean like tired specifically from like sexual exhaustion? <laughs> no. like it's kind of dirty, right? No, it's not. So. 
Yeah, no, Jeff's exactly right. That's exactly what knackered means. Yeah, I no, used that with not. my mother in a uh, in a car ride once when I was thirteen. She looked at me, gone out. I was like, what, 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 what? That's just like knackered in. It's tired in Yorkshire speech. This is because I, 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 I listen to British This I listen to British podcasts other than this one. That's so I know these things. There's a reason why we talk about somebody's knackers as well, buddy. Let's just leave it at that. Well, anyway, I never knew that. Is that really true? I'm, can I put that on Twitter? If you realize that knackered is a sexual tired rather than just Def, a regular def, that tired. That will definitely help with the bots in our mentions. The whole Americas. <laughs> and clear this up. Because I didn't think, I thought it just means tired. Uh, well, it does mean tired, but it means tired in a sort of squeezed and slightly uh, yeah. slightly painful sense. Mm. What, really? I've been saying that to like people at work. To be <laughs> yeah, fair, that's because you're British and you get away yeah, with it. Yeah, the Americans don't know. It's fine. Well, you guys knew more than I did. I also well, copied douchebags at work quite a lot until I realised what douchebag meant, which wasn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> quite the cross-cultural exchange this week. Well, anyway, Columbus Crew, they had just played on Thursday. They had to play again Sunday. They beat New York Red Bull 1-0. They play again on Sunday or Saturday, Patty. It's uh, Sunday night. Sunday night. They play Sunday again night, in the yeah. second leg. It's the Eastern Conference semifinal. Uh, and then over on the West Coast, Portland actually has a 1-0 aggregate lead over their arch-rival Seattle. Um, so a bunch of implications in the Cascadia Owls rank. Uh, ranks. I think it's 2-1. I think, they were, I think, I think they were 2-1. 2-1. So yeah. one, one goal lead. Yeah, Sounders yeah. Um, away goal. So that was big. They did get the away goal. There is an away goal rule over here in the playoffs. So um, good that New York didn't get theirs. And we move on. So we'll see what happens. The USL final is actually... Thursday night against Didier Drogba's team, Phoenix Rising. Yes, Drogba is still playing soccer over here in the United States, out in the desert, and uh, he, he owns the twenty-two team appearances too. for Phoenix. Last I checked, yes. he's so, the owner as well. So he's the owner of the club. He's still owner playing. Player, yeah. He's really bald. He's really, really bald and really old, um, but he's still banging them in. Uh, it's it's kind of a labor of love for him, really. That Phoenix team. I think it's it's a really admirable thing he's done. He's still banging them in. Are we talking about knackered or are we talking about Didier Drogba? <laughs> Can we get Drogba to buy the team from Delphine Chancery? He does look knackered. And play up front. Well, if you're if you're awake at 12:30 a.m. in England on Thursday, tune in. If you're in the US, it's at 7:30. Probably ESPN Plus, maybe even ESPN2 and uh, take a look. It's, it's fun soccer. I'm not very happy about this. Um, just Evan gets to control the whole Columbus crew because he won two games in a row against Red Bulls. Uh, Do you have a rebuttal, Patty? I just think one 0 lead after the first leg it's it's very precarious, and we're we like pretty much the best. I agree. Team. By the way, we're the best. We're the best team at home in the MLS. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm going to be there. Uh, I've actually got two. I've got two games on Sunday. I'm going to the Jets game at one p.m. and then Red Bulls at seven thirty p.m. because I just love. Crap spots. Like, can you literally just, walk between the two stadiums? Yeah, he's like, literally between both stadiums. Is my my house, so that I could do both of them. Just mainline bad spots deep into my veins. I want to lose every weekend. I want to feel that rush of almost winning and then to get destroyed. So that's why I want. So I'm going to Jets and I'm going to Red Bulls on Sunday. Paddy, if you want to feel the rush of almost winning and then get destroyed, why do you support Wednesday? Because we never get the former. <laughs> well, not recently now. I mean, we're up one nothing against Birmingham last week, at least. Yeah, but it was never likely we were going to win. No, not so much. 
Which brings us to the preview of this week's game. Friday afternoon over here in the States. Prime time over in South Yorkshire. Sky Sports there. ESPN Plus here. We're all going to the pub and there is nothing going on. Correct, Jeff? I mean, there'll be a lot of drinking. I know that. Great, but no football, right? If we can avoid it, but I feel like this being a football podcast, we probably can't. Uh, we can Damn try. <laughs> so, that other team in Sheffield. Last do, time do we, we were, yeah, last time we were there, we managed to snuff out their attack and steal our way to a 0-0 draw. I have this strange feeling that defense isn't showing up on Friday, Patty. No, and that just shows you how far we've fallen, really, doesn't it? It was, it was Yoss's first game, one, or one of Yoss's first games in charge. can't remember last time around at, at the Stye. I think it was literally his first game. Yeah, so we, all we asked for him for that first game was to show up the crap defense that Carlos left us with, and he did that even though Lewis got sent off, we drew 0-0. And for us, that was a kind of minor victory in the uh, in that timing of the year. Um, so to look at where we are now um, in Yossa's tenure, it feels like we've gone backwards rather than forwards. So we're now pretty much back at the undisciplined shit show of defence that we had before Carlos left. So whatever effect he did put in place for that first game in charge, he certainly lost control of it now. So, for me, we are a worse place. And I think in order to get a similar kind of response for this game on Friday, I think we need to go back to five at the back. We should probably bring back the player of the month. You know, the one defender we have got that's any good, he should start. Um, I would probably drop Morgan Fox and uh, push Liam Palmer. And start with Penny as a wing back and Baker as a right back. They've got something to prove still. Whereas I think Palmer and Fox haven't. Um, after that, what goes on up the field, I don't really mind too much. I think it's the defence we need to focus on. Yeah, I mean, I just. I'll tell you. I mean, so this is my first trip to the football factory this year, too. For a variety really? of reasons. Yeah, it is. I haven't got, like, there's a couple games I wanted to get down to it, down for. It just didn't work out with my schedule. I took this Friday off, like, two months ago. Regretting it? Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, and I know, Think like, of all that lovely work you can be doing instead, James. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, mm, mm, I just... I don't want it to be, like, embarrassing. Well, I mean, the good news is it won't be embarrassing, Jeff, because there won't be any fucking United (laughs) guys there. Because, as we know, there's only two Jeff to actually support that shopping excuse for a club in New York, and uh, we'll outnumber them by about a dozen to one. So even if they're jumping around in the corner, kind of making weird squeaking noises, we'll just kind of quietly ask them to leave, and and that will be very politely dealt with. And, you know, it won't be embarrassing. Nobody will see it happen. We'll just be all crying into our time pass. They're they're winning us. They're they're like the the top of the league almost, third place. Yeah, but there's still only two of them, buddy. I mean, you know, it doesn't really count. (laughs) You know what the fans like? The 30 will turn up. Like that Leeds game we went to the other day, where like 50 of them turned 
turned up because it's someone's 50th birthday party. The it's going to be like that. United Ice. I mean, just <laughs> not in Sheffield. Let's be honest. Fortunately, still, if we look at it as a democratic majority, there aren't that many of them. They might be idiotic. They might be uh, numbskulled. They may support something which is pretty offensive to the rest of society. But fortunately, they don't control uh, any of the levers of government yet. I'm having nightmares about it already, mate. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the, Jeff, this whole preview, right? I mean, it's painful because nobody wants to talk about it. No, yeah, no, no Wednesday I really wants to face into where we are right now, which is that we are in a worse position relative to United than we were in January. And it felt pretty goddamn painful in January because obviously they were having a good season and we were having a, a cataclysmic fall apart. We've already talked about it. The fact that we're in a worse position now tells you that whatever has been going on but since Joss came in and now hasn't made things better. Um so that's a bigger issue for Wednesday to deal with. So Friday is all about salvaging some pride. It's, it's, it's got to be the first clean sheet of the season, right? So I'm with you, Paddy. Just stick 10 people in the bloody goal. And, you know, if Wilder wants to play his 5-3-2 free-flowing attacking football, then let him have at it. And we just hope to God that we can um, we can track the ball and follow it for 90 minutes and, and try and keep it out. And that one of those 40-yard pile drivers go in this week. I would Well, as long as we've got Adam Reach for another yeah. three weeks. Absolutely. I would suggest that... So here's my kind of wacky take on this game. I think the problem in Hillsborough last year, so I'm going to go back to that game, was that, you know, obviously it was the first derby in a while. United was clearly up for it, and, and Wilder did a very good job, I think, sort of conveying to the team what needed to be done. I think Wednesday may need to lean into players like Penny and like Baker, um, you know, Dawson and goal, maybe even someone like Frazier Preston that have gotten a little bit of that juice of sort of the Wednesday United games at the youth level, you know, sort of come up through the, through the system. You know, even someone like Liam Palmer. You don't think Liam Palmer wants to play in this game, James? I want to believe that Liam Palmer wants to play in this game. Liam Palmer probably does want to play in this game. Yeah. But I, it's the <sighs> derbies yeah. are weird is the thing. It's not a regular game. It just isn't. You know, they're sort of what's, what's the cliche for this? Like, league position doesn't matter? That's like the pundit cliche? Look, stranger things have happened, right? Wednesday went to Villa Park earlier in the season and we turned in a terrific performance with players that are mostly available right now and you know i don't think aston villa are any worse aside than than sheffield united right now um if our players had the league table would the league table is insane right i mean Nor- norwich slammed four goals past us on the weekend in the first half they looked fairly average and they don't look like the best side in the league by a, a million miles right we like like played the first place team like six times it doesn't look the best yeah, team in the it, league it's, it's it's all over the place in the championship this season which is yeah. why it's so dispiriting to see how off the pace wednesday look the majority of the time but even wednesday is still what Six points off the playoffs, even seven. I checked seven. Okay, <laughs> so but you get my point, right? Yeah, yeah. Stranger things have happened to your point. If this Wednesday team can get motivated, can get organised, can turn up with a sense of pride, can actually just you know instill in themselves what all of the fans would do if they were on the pitch, and yet with a sense of professional footballing mm. ability as well, which is not a bad thing to add to uh, the average uh, uh, Sheffield Wednesday fan. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but you know. It's just—it's a big stretch for us to believe that's going to happen because we have not seen it 
in the majority of games this season. That's why we're approaching it with so much trepidation. And and let's be honest, you know, this Sheffield United side do play with a degree of free abandon. They've got very dangerous players. Um, you know, we've we've been on the receiving end of of what some of those players do to Wednesday, and so it's going to be a cagey game for Wednesday. Um, but the best I think we can hope for is a repeat of what happened in January. I mean, I feel like if it like it could be a platform if they get a result here. Of course it could. And it, it should be. That's what um, Yoss should be instilling in his players. If he can't get them to perform in this game, then he can't get them to perform in any game. I mean, I feel like this could be it for him if it's bad. Totally. Yeah. Um, and there's no way... And Some people out there would say, I hope he loses so he loses his job. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're saying right here, okay? No. I think if he can't get him to... If he can't get the team to perform in this game, then he's lost the team, okay? Um, if they put up a spirit of performance and lose... Okay, I won't be happy with it, but at least he's got something out of them. But if he can't even get that, then he's got to go. And Chan Siri has to pull the plug. I don't care about finances. I don't care about what we'd lose contract-wise out of him. And manager salaries don't count change. against FFP, I'm pretty sure. No, I think they do. It's what? That's out. ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever I think we already just discussed this with Carlos. James, it's the dumbest thing James I've ever heard. FFP expert, James Allen. Well, look, I mean, so... Let's be. Let's make a couple of assumptions. Wednesday mm-hmm. were smart when they signed Yoss up to his contract, and it's a rolling contract, not a long-term contract. It's like it was eighteen months, right? Yeah, and maybe it was even renewed at the end of the season for mm-hmm. another twelve months. But the, the likelihood is we've probably got to pay him to the end of the season. Yeah. The stated position of the club is that he's being paid more than Carlos was being paid. Now, if we believe the club at face value, Carlos was being paid pretty well on his uh, latter contract. That means probably a couple of million a season um we're not halfway through the season yet so you know we stand to to have to pay out a million quid plus if we jettison lost yosla Huka. we don't have a million quid plus to add to our expenses right now so it, it is a big deal um now you know maybe those assumptions are flawed a little bit maybe we aren't paying him quite so much maybe there's a release clause in the contract based on um based on results maybe actually a lot of his salary is based on uh, a performance bonus a promotion bonus so you know there may be a way out of this but wednesday should not assume that we can just jettison him without impact um and that is part of the problem that wednesday and we are boxed into a financial corner right now where we can't make easy decisions on hiring and firing managers big sam's going to want a lot more than a couple million a year <laughs> in a brown paper bag a lot yeah, of white wine yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of white wine expensive tastes Ah, uh, all right. Let's do it. Predictions for the game, James. Oh, you had to come to me first, mm. didn't you, Jeff? Um, I am going to predict that it is a depressing three-one um, victory for Sheffield United. I feel like there's a bullet header own goal from Tom Lee is in here somewhere. <laughs> Patty. Uh, um. Mm. Don't sound so my, enthusiastic. No, my head says four one United. My heart says zero zero. <laughs> Maybe it's this uh there's actually not a I believe this was like a ten percent beer, but I'm now saying there's no actual ABV statement on it. There's always a good sign. Uh, I'm entirely not enthusiastic about this game but within the next 72 hours i'm going to talk myself into 
a 1-0 Sheffield Wednesday win where Adam Reach hits both hits the crossbar and at least one of the posts from 40 yards out to score. You think we're going to clean sheet? I'm not asking you that. I said the same thing, but I mean, a one yeah, I, I just, it's So here's the thing. It would be extremely Wednesday for this to be their first clean sheet of the year. It would also be extremely Wednesday for them to capitulate and give up four goals. And I'm going to choose a look on the bright side of life briefly. Very, <laughs> I'm going to let you do that. Briefly. We have some Owls America's news, and two of our American Owls, uh, Craig Hutchinson, no relation, and uh, one James Allen completed the New York Marathon this weekend. James, would that be more or less torturous than the upcoming Derby? Uh, <laughs> well, it was it was more than three hours, so uh, so I guess at least the uh, the duration of the pain was longer. Um, no, I enjoyed the marathon immensely on Sunday, and I don't have anywhere near the optimism nor the uh, the excitement about going into Friday that I did on Sunday morning. So, uh, so I, I would happily run the marathon again on Friday afternoon to save me from having to uh, watch what's going on at Bramall Lane. It's only a bit over three hours, though, James. So congratulations on that. That was an amazing time. And I just want to clarify, <laughs> if Craig's listening, Craig Hutchinson, he, he didn't run the marathon. It was our other, our other Craig and the New York Owls that ran the marathon, our Kiwi Craig. So congratulations to him, too. Jeff, I hear you're appearing on another podcast this week. I am. And I'm now going to actually uh, try to... Oh, it's a yellow card podcast. Uh which has been going on for a few years. I don't know that much about it. I should probably do some research before I appear on it tomorrow night. I assume it will go up shortly after. Um, yeah, so we're it's basically uh, some American football fans. I think it's based out of Buffalo. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Sheffield Wednesday. So if you haven't had enough of me drunkenly <laughs> making my way through the weekend Wednesday, I'm sure we'll do the whole sort of like biography, discography of my Wednesday fandom. And stuff like that. And I'll probably just grouse more about the Derby this weekend. Are they both American too, Dina? I believe so. So it's the Yellow Card podcast. It goes out probably Wednesday night, Thursday morning, right? Yeah. Cool. I'll check it out. Now, Patty, where can you watch this Derby if you're so inclined, which we don't seem to be? Well, you say that. I've been... Uh, that's, the reason I'm kind of quite in a good mood today, other than the whiskey, is the fact that... <laughs> Before the uh, podcast, I was putting together our meetups, and there's mm. eight cities eight in America. If you're so inclined, this is a public service that we are, that we offer. You can you can, t- you can make use mourn of it or not. with people that you <laughs> that simply want to mourn. Misery loves company, as yeah. you know. So uh, amazing. So Wednesday motto. People, <laughs> amazing people still want to watch this team. <laughs> the first one we should totally know. get on that on our show for next <laughs> year, shouldn't we? <laughs> Owls Americas. Amazingly, this fans the want to watch the team here too. Owls Americas, loves company. <laughs> I actually did think of doing that as a marketing campaign this week, but I'm too lazy. Um, so, uh, if you want to find some more uh, misery in your neighbourhood, you're in luck because there's eight cities. The first one is in New York, as usual, at the Football Factory, um, with the maybe obligatory one Chief and I have fan. Uh, second one, San Francisco in McTeague's Saloon. Our friend Dave uh, hosts that. Uh, third one, Charleston, Somerville, Madra Rua Irish Pub. Go and see Tommy and the lads. Uh, fourth one, Boston slash Cambridge. This is in the Phoenix Landing Pub, uh, hosted by Justin. Uh, 
go and see him. Um, the fifth one, Portland. Uh, of course, Mike, our friend. Uh, nice lunchtime kickoff there in Portland, 11.55. Basically a lunch hour, right? Yeah, a long hour lunch. and a half. Yeah. Uh, of course, New Orleans are there. Um, Pim McCall's Irish pub. Uh, Orlando, also. Go and watch it in Orlando. Go and spend some time with Mickey Mouse. Cheer yourself up. Then just even it out by watching Wednesday. Uh, that's the Harp and Kelt <laughs> Irish. Uh, the pub. small world after all. <laughs> that's the Harp and Kelt Irish pub. That is currently what we have, right? That's eight cities. There will likely be more added over the next few days. Check owlsamericas.com, the fine fan section, and look around. If you have another bar that you're going to in your town, give us a shout too. Owlsamericas at gmail.com. It's been episode 45 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast, Intro and Bumpers, by fellow Wednesday nights, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we have to rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, if you could do it again on Friday, would you rather run the marathon again or watch... Wednesday against United. I thought you were talking about being knackered, Jeff. That's, yeah. uh, that's highly inappropriate. Um, if I could, uh, if I could do either of the two, um, yeah, I'll happily go out to Staten Island and get my sneakers back on and and shuffle my way around rather than uh, than watch the uh, the pigs and the red and white stripes uh, marauding towards our uh, our frightened defence. But but hey, um, that's not an option open open to me because uh, my legs don't work anymore. So. Um, <laughs> I will instead be sat in the basement of the football factory, taking my medicine like everybody else, and um, maybe this is maybe this is the change that we've all been expecting. The uh, the blue wave mm. will uh, will reinforce itself late in the uh, in the proceedings. Eh? It's going to be a, <laughs> hey! a rainy forty seven on Friday if that's uh, appealing to you to run twenty six miles. Perfect <laughs> weather for Jacks. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A Jones. Patty, if you had the choice between running twenty six miles. <laughs> And watching the Wednesday game on Friday, which would you pick? This is clearly going to end with a fat joke from you, Jeff, isn't it? I'm sorry. Uh, I can't run 20 miles. I can barely run a mile. Um, I would happily take an afternoon in the football factory watching Sheffield United um, lose Sheffield Wednesday um, because I can't run for shit. <sighs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. And look, if it goes bad, we will definitely be talking about the 1902-1903 Football League season next week. <laughs>